frontier models. Should we control them? To discuss today, I have on Anton Koronek and Marcus Anderling, two of the 24 co-authors of a recent paper, Frontier AI Regulation, Managing Emerging Risks to Public Safety. Marcus is the head of policy at the Center of Governance for AI, as well as a CNAS fellow, and Anton is a professor at UVA. Welcome to China Talk, you two. Thank you all so much. All right. In two minutes or less, what is the thesis of this paper? Uh, frontier AI models. So these are models that um, the way that we define them are sort of future highly capable foundation models. So models can do a broad range of tasks. Um, in the future, we think that some of these models might have uh, really quite dangerous capabilities. Uh, so they might be able to sort of be really quite helpful in conducting cyber attacks. They might be really quite helpful in helping someone um, do a bio attack um, and, and these kinds of things. These kinds of um, and then our, our sort of main claim is that um, these kinds of dangerous capabilities um, suggest that these models might need some kind of regulation. Uh, they might need to have sort of government be able to step in and be able to um, look at what kinds of models are are being deployed before they are deployed and help uh, sort of inform inform decisions about what kinds of models should be sort of put out there into the wild. And presumably there should be some kind of risk assessment put in place uh, before before they're put put out there. Uh, to make sure that they are, um, it's safe enough to to sort of deploy them. Okay, so let's take a step back. Um, a frontier AI model. Uh, how would you like to define them, and why uh, are they scary? So in the paper, we um, sort of the intuitive concept is just a model that pushes the frontier of capabilities of, of AI, um, and so. Uh, that might currently our frontier models might be things like GPT-4, Claude 2. Um, in the future, they'd be things like GPT-5, Claude 3. Um, and um, in the paper, we we sort of we have a slightly different concept, which is trying to get out the kinds of models that we're we're the most worried about. Um, and so what we say there is uh, we call sort of frontier models models that could have um, cap dangerous capabilities that would be sufficient to sort of be able to cause some kind of severe harm to public safety, to national security, um, and then. And then the big question is, okay, well, what what models have those kinds of properties? What models might have those kinds of dangerous capabilities? Figuring that out is is really quite difficult. Um, I think the best we can do at the moment um, is to say, well, they are models that are using that are trained using a lot more compute um, than than models that that exist today. Um, and so, yeah, for those sort of taking notes at home, maybe that's ten to twenty six um, flops uh, for for the training run. That would definitely be more than than anything we have we have today. And then. Um, those models would probably have some some new capabilities, and some of those we don't know what those capabilities are. Some of those might be be really quite uh, quite dangerous. Uh, that are enough that sort of some regulatory intervention might be warranted. Yeah. So you know the 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 GPT four uh, paper that came out on its release, it like you know they hired all these uh, red teamers, and basically the goal for some of them was like to try to make the model do scary stuff, and like. The scariest thing they ended up pushing it to do was like, honestly, not all that scary. Like it got a task rabbit to like fill out some captures and then it like told you how to make a bomb. But like I can Google how to make a bomb. Uh, Abby Hoffman, you know, in the 1960s was like, you know, teaching mm -hmm. everyone and their mother and like, you know, printing this stuff out and free and leaving it on the quarters of, of, of New York City about how to, um, you know, start a revolution or what have you. So um, the, the, the sort of really interesting wrinkle that you guys point to is like it's it seems like it's almost impossible to know if like the next model is going to be the one that can like create 
you know, uh, COVID variant Z and like kill us all because it feels like it? Question mark. Yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's right. We don't we don't quite know what what the next generation of, of models are capable of. We also don't quite know what our current generation of models are, are, are capable of. Um, and so I think sort of um, a, a big part of, of what I think is, is sort of needed in this space is that there needs to be uh, a lot more of this kind of this kind of red teaming, this kind of poking at these models and actually seeing what they are capable of. Uh, so I guess one way to one way to put it is that like the thing that you want to happen is that you want to sort of simulate what would a really, really bad person or a bad actor um, do if they had full access to this model. Uh, if they really, really tried to use this model to cause harm, what would they be be capable of doing? And then um, the kinds of tests that I think that we should be doing and, and that sort of are starting to be, be run now is you, you sort of, you see, okay, well, um, say someone is trying to conduct a sort of figure out how to get access to a bioweapon. Um, they can use Google uh, and they can use uh, these models. To what extent does using the model actually help them? Um, and, and we're starting to, people are starting to run, run these kinds of tests. And I think um, my guess is that currently they are actually more helpful than than Google, I would expect that I would have a I would have a significantly easier time if I uh, if I had access to these models because they can sort of they can you know I can I can ask them questions and they can you know they can tell me if I'm going wrong somewhere uh, and so I think in the future I don't know how close we are um, it'll be closer to sort of the experience of either having access to Google or talking to a really smart PhD student um, and presumably I would I would take the latter. Yeah, as you mentioned, Jordan, when OpenAI first uh, had finished training GPT-4, they did, honestly, a pretty responsible thing. They locked it away for eight months. We don't know what the next generation is capable of. The thing about intelligence is, and, you know, I can attest to that uh, being a researcher at the university where I regularly see that somebody is just a tiny little bit smarter than I. They can suddenly write this much more fantastic paper than I. Relatively small increases in intelligence can suddenly generate uh, really huge uh, advances in capabilities. I mean, it's also but, like OpenAI, I don't know, it's like they had about 50 red teamers engage, engage with this model. And my, my guess is that's just not going to be enough um, in the future. And you'll need to do a lot more. Um, and maybe these, yeah, as you say, maybe maybe these, these companies will... Um, We'll sort of. I expect them to, to continue to do this and, and put more effort in, but my guess is they won't. They won't put sufficient effort in uh, without um, some kind of yeah, external uh, extra motivation. Yeah. So so let's stay on this concept of like red teaming software for a second. Like the the analogy that comes to mind is video games. So before video games are tested, like you hire lots of like people from all over the world to like run into every wall and you know figure out where you know what quests are broken and what things aren't working and like inevitably as soon as any game gets released to the you know tens hundreds or millions of of users out there like people find totally completely game breaking things uh multiplayer games like th there's there's this like uh, life cycle of them where like for the first three days it's fun and then like by day four or five um there are already hacks and everyone is shooting you through a wall and it just like becomes like a not enjoyable experience um, until maybe like two or three months later when the, 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 the developers end up fixing all the code. So, I mean, I'm like a little skeptical of even what a 500 or 5,000 person like red team effort could end up um, doing um, if you have such a enormously wide attack surface in like, you know, 
all of human knowledge um sort of that you can like prompt in any in any way imaginable um to potentially get you to do new things and this is you know what we saw with open ai right is like um you know not just open AI, all these models like people are still every single day coming up with like new creative ways to get it do things that its creators don't intend this sort of leads us into another question of like to what extent will it even be possible to sort of use um you know today's tools and approaches to make sure that uh, uh, models uh, that are, you know, uh, potentially radically more powerful than ones that we have today are, um, uh, you know, on balance, good. Getting to the point where you can make sure uh, that a model cannot engage in certain kinds of behavior, it, that just seems incredibly difficult. Um, the thing that we can do is we can be, you know, more confident uh, in, in what, what behaviors um, exist in the model. Uh, and and the extent to which those those behaviors can be elicited by uh, by users. Uh, so I, so I, in my mind, there's there's, a, there's two problems here. One problem is what could the model actually do, sort of absent any safeguards. Um, and then the second question is, okay, well, could you put in place safeguards such that it doesn't engage in that kind of bad behavior, uh, such that you know if if Marcus starts asking about all all types of bioweapons, then the model you know says, oh, sorry, I'm I'm but an AI model. Uh, I cannot tell you about how to build a bioweapon. Um, and so, so my guess is like all of this effort on, on red teaming and, and whatnot, what it does is it sort of, it moves, um, it makes it more likely that we learn about worrying things before the model is widely available. It's out there, more people have access to it uh, than after the fact when um, maybe, maybe even in, in the future, we might, we might learn about uh, worrying things a model can do um, after it's, it's actually even caused harm. Uh, and that, that seems, that seems like a worse time. So um, you, you, you lay out three expected challenges. We've gotten to two of them and alluded to a third. First, the unexpected capabilities problem. Next, deployment safety. And finally, proliferation. So the word China does not appear anywhere in this paper. However, I do think, you know, there's a clear specter of, you know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be China. It could be North Korea. It could be Russia. It could be, um, uh, you know, a an incel um, who wants to, I don't know, ruin all women's lives or something um, uh, using this stuff for um, for ill. So, um, you know, we have Llama 2, which is now free for the world to do whatever they want with. Um, and it's like broadly, it's like pretty much as capable as like um, the other uh, frontier models. So, so yeah, Anton and Marcus, like reflect for me, if you will, on the uh, proliferation problem, both from the sort of like open source dimension, as well as uh, the potential for uh, industrial espionage to uh, have the sort of uh, innards of these models just like be um, uh, stolen from uh, under the nose of a um, uh, ostensibly responsible large uh, AI house. I will say it it was it was rather striking. You know, this the the paper has um a number of co-authors from uh from industry. We have uh OpenAI, uh, Google DeepMind, Microsoft, as well as a lot of, you know, academics and, and think takers or whatnot. Um, you know, I, I, these these are not policy statements of the organizations per se, but uh presumably like you would need uh, someone within uh the sort of communications organization or policy team to sign off on something like this the firms that are the leading lights pushing forward an, a, a more open sourced universe you know the the facebook's um uh stability ais and, and hugging faces of the world um did not you know give a cosign to this um care to reflect marcus on that yeah i mean so um yeah i think i mean you're right like these aren't these aren't official statements by by these companies um 
Uh, some of these companies have have said things that you know are in in the direction of wanting to um, put in place some kind of regulation. Uh, we've had yeah, we had Sam Altman in in various various kinds of hearings talk about this. Um, we had Microsoft make statements along these lines. Uh, we're hearing some noises from from Google being being more being interested in in maybe some kind of regulation of these these frontier models. Um, recently, we had uh, Anthropic CEO Daria Amadei um, also uh, testifying to the Senate saying that some kind of regulation that would impose some kind of requirements on these frontier models uh, would uh, would be sensible um and yeah i mean there's going to be yeah there's going to be different different companies that are that are sort of pursuing different different kinds of strategies here i'm actually a little bit unsure about how much disagreement there actually is between between companies and between researchers in in this domain um i think quite often um when people engage with with our paper for example or like a lot of reactions that i've gotten um when when i talk to people about this is um, they seem to think that we are talking about systems that we are not talking about, um, where the thing that we're talking about is systems that are really quite capable, that are really at the frontier. Um, and quite often, sort of when, when you really, when I, at least when I have conversations with, with some of these folks that are sort of more in the, in the open source uh, bucket, um, they, you know, they'll, they'll grant that, oh, well, at some point, sure, it, it'll be the case that um, there are certain kinds of systems where there might be systems that could have, you know, certain kinds of capabilities where it's not obvious that they should be made widely available. Um, but the, the worry is about uh, systems, sort of whether whether it would, was okay to open source Llama 2, for example, where I, I think for the record, I would say that Llama 2 is, or at least my impression is that Llama 2 is, is, doesn't get to the frontier of capability. It was trained probably using about two orders of magnitude less compute than, than some of these um, sort of most capable models that we have. And that some of the things that you're seeing in terms of the, the performance looking quite similar is, is more about sort of, um, I'm not fully confident on this, but, but I would expect a decent amount of it is about more, more fine tuning on the user uh, sort of feedback uh, than, than you have in other cases. Um, and then we'll, we'll see. I think that the disagreement oftentimes will just come down to, okay, well, what point is it the case that um, a, certain kind of, uh, a certain kind of model um, shouldn't uh, obviously, be, uh, obviously be open sourced? And at what point should uh, sort of, uh, governments put in place processes to be able to put an in, like have an input into that decision. Uh, where currently, you know, it's it's just these companies can just do basically they can do whatever they want. Um, where yeah, my guess is that you know at some point we will need um, government or or society at large to to be sort of be able to partake in these decisions as well. So uh, Jade Long, one of the co-authors on this uh, uh, paper, in her PhD thesis, sort of told the story of technologies that have sort of dual use implications and um there, there's there's like a a um uh, an arc which has played out like across um uh, you know over the course of the 20th and 21st century which basically you know has the researchers initially being the ones who are sort of like driving you know they're they're the ones creating the technology right and presumably they have opinions about how it should be used but sort of over time you have firms um that then take the reins and then ultimately gov if if things uh if, if the sort of capabilities prove pronounced enough from a sort of like national strategic or you know competitive standpoint then like governments get in the way and start um you know what, what they what they end up says goes and i think we're in a really interesting moment right i feel like the sort of researchers you can almost bucket as being like like some of the firms that are the biggest players um, can almost be considered as like captured by the researcher voice right um you know a lot of these you know the sam altmans and and dario amadeus of the world like very much got into this with the types of ai safety concerns we've talked to like on their minds but 
um, you know, the firms that they are uh, relying on and have signed deals with um, to be able to sort of realize their visions of creating these artificial intelligences, um, you know, have slightly different um, incentive structures that are maybe mm -hmm. not as as bought into this this sort of, um, uh, uh, you know, issue set and worldview that is manifested in a document like this. And then, you know, sort of looming on the horizon that hasn't quite uh, manifested yet, but is certainly, certainly bubbling up is the interest of the of the sort of like um, political establishment in particular national security community about thinking about this. So I'm, so I'm, I'm curious, Anton and Marcus, um, you know, this this document, we're talking about something that is, you know, still a few years away and the sort of risks that we're that we're focusing on are not the sort of more conventional like concerns people have about technology of how you know facebook makes you sad or um amazon's taking away jobs and small businesses or whatever it's still like a few years out in a way that um i think gives researchers like uh more um you know mind share of the discussion but um i guess for you two i'd, I'd be interesting to sort of hear your reflections about this discussion and how this debate has um, evolved or changes as you have more sort of like corporate behemoths and um, uh, government players starting to um, uh, uh, have uh, strongly held views about how these sorts of uh, develop developments should potentially play out. Yeah, I think, yeah, so, so Anton and I and, and others that have sort of been involved in this paper, yeah, we, we're people who have spent years thinking about, okay, what might be the impact of sort of um, the really quite advanced AI systems, um, sort of the thing, the kinds of systems that we're starting to get an inkling of now. Uh, it used to be the conversation um, was quite a lot about, uh, oh well, yeah, at some point, you know, maybe governments will will really start getting involved here. But for the most part, um, it's it's about sort of getting some of these companies uh, that, yeah, as you say, were, were largely driven by driven by researchers, uh, getting them to behave behave responsibly. Uh, and yeah, I think over the past year, we've we've seen um, how probably, yeah, power will, will move away from um, from sort of the people who are sort of, yeah, the sort of the research engineers uh, and the research scientists at these kinds of companies. And um, you'll see profit motives um, mattering a lot more and, and corporate interests mattering a lot more. We're, we're already seeing that. We're seeing that with a lot of investments and whatnot. Uh, we're seeing that in terms of sort of these companies being um, significantly more more sort of worried about their, their public image, for example. Um, and I think um, and so I think a lot of a lot of folks in in this kind of space, I guess myself included, um, sort of has has shifted more towards okay, well, well, at some point, uh, and and we're starting to see inklings to this now. Um, you will have um, sort of governments uh, both needing to to step in and and sort of starting to to think about how to do so. Um, and so yeah, kind of how I how I see this um, this work, um, or sort of what what it looks like to make sure that sort of uh, more advanced AI systems are are sort of developed and deployed. Responsibly, yeah, I think more and more uh, you can't rely on on the goodwill of uh, of any corporation or or any developer of these um, these systems. We need to find a way for um, sort of governments for for society at large to be able to sort of hold them accountable and and not have a system that sort of relies on relies on trust in any any particular uh, actor. Yeah, well, you know, just two two words for capitalism for a second. I mean, I think like <laughs> having a profit motive, like being able yeah. to make money on deploying these technologies means that someone is paying you for it, which means that you're doing a better job than whatever could have come before. And this is kind mm -hmm. of the dream, right? And like the whole point 
of cre- of 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 investing in in technology and intellect- technological innovation is that you know we be- become more productive and advanced as a society. So mm-hmm. I think it's like um, not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, oh, yeah. that uh, we're, we're at a point where all this where this stuff is now useful enough um, for for it to for it to matter. There might also be sort of profit incentives in in favor of making sure that your systems you know behave in behave in the ways that you you intend and that they don't cause cause these kinds of harms. Like it would be a really bad look. Uh, for the AI industry, if it was the case that you know, I don't know, the next um, the next planned school shooter uh, got their advice on on just how to go go about doing it uh, from from one of these models, um, and and so you know, there'll be a bunch of incentives to to try to make sure that these these systems don't cause cause a lot of harm. Um, my guess is it won't be enough. Uh, definitely be there. Continuing on, we think we need to do some sort of AI uh, frontier regulation. There are three building blocks, um, which you guys propose in lovely, bold, um, blue color. Um, Mechanisms for development of frontier AI safety standards, mechanisms to give regulators visibility, as well as mechanisms to ensure compliance with safety standards. Um, uh, uh, I'll do the first two sort of, uh, I'll give my comments on the first two briefly, and then I want to really dive dive deep into the last one. So, um, you know, it's... Yeah, so let's start with the first one. Like, you guys convinced me in section one that like this is kind of impossible um, to uh, to understand this sort of stuff. So th- it's a it's a really interesting paper, I think, in that it's like it's like it's 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 almost less like prescriptive and more like a research agenda of like the types of questions that you're hoping people more technical um, than uh, than you or I end up really trying to dive into and helping answer. Is that a, is that a fair characterization? I think it's fair that there's uh, there's a ton to be figured out, uh, and and we don't quite know yet how to make it how to like firstly know yeah what these systems are capable of, how to make sure that they're they're not capable of certain things that we don't want them to be capable of, uh, how to make sure that people can't use them for for certain kind, kinds of things. Um, but I think um, you know I think there's a ton of stuff that you can you can already do, um, and and that would already be be really quite quite helpful. So I think. Um, I mean, yeah. So in the paper, we have this. We have these sort of suggested sort of initial initial standards. They're they're reasonably high level, but I think they are the kinds of things that you could, you know, you could tell these tell these companies to do. Um, some of the things that we that we talked about there are, are things that sort of these um, some of these companies plus plus others recently agreed to in this sort of White House uh, commitment uh, about uh, frontier models. Um, and so I think there's enough specificity to to start um engaging yeah. in in the behavior but yeah like there's a ton of work that needs to be done here and there needs to be an entire field i think uh, that that is just focused on how do we make sure that these systems can be uh developed and deployed in in a responsible safe manner yeah cuz like you know you talked about mechanisms to give regulators visibility but even if they like were literally like doing an NSA on uh, OpenAI and could like read every single slack message and like you know do whatever they want with the models like I, I, we're still not at the case where like the comp- the computer science is out there to um uh, um to to sort of give us the controls that 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 you mm-hmm. hope would be um uh, would be possible. But um uh, let's stay let's stay on the White House thing for a second. So yeah, like we've got all these like pledges <laughs> that are happening. I've never seen this before. I mean, usually yeah. it's like usually like you have government you have like uh pledges to like create. I mean. This is it's it's a really interesting use of executive power and and one that like people don't 
um, uh, sort of understand a lot. It's like the president, um, you know, they can like do executive orders and direct agencies to do this and that. But there's also something kind of like magical about the White House of this sort of like bully pulpit convening or, uh, organ where, you know, when Biden says, you know, when the president of the United States says like, hey, you should show up to the White House, like unless you're literally Donald Trump, like pretty much everyone else on the planet is going to say, yes, of course, how can I help you with this? So um, it yeah. has been really fascinating to sort of watch all of these um, companies um, both sort of like call for regulation of their industry, which I guess is, you know, there's complications in that we can get to later, but also, yeah. you know, really engaging deeply in, um, you know, Google Docs being sent back and forth um, with um, uh, various corners of the um, uh, uh, of the White House and, and, and you know, signing up to these non-binding, but like still like legitimate um, uh, pledges to be good stewards of this new technology. Yeah, I'm excited about it as a, as a mechanism. Yeah, it's just, you're invited into this room. The the president of the United States, you know, uh, sort of points at you and says, "Oh, you better you better be good." Um, and you know, these these leaders of these companies obviously are gonna gonna want to you know look like the look like the sort of uh, the good kid kid of the class, um, and you know, want to make sure that they they you know they make the best commitments and they they're the best at upholding them, etc. I think is is uh, a, a really really good dynamic. And then. Um, I guess the the most like the important thing here from from my perspective is that it doesn't sort of come at the cost of um, of sort of additional action action or whatever. You could you could this these kinds of things could be could be ways to sort of ward off um, sort of additional action from from government. And my guess is that that won't be the case here, but that that's definitely a risk. Yeah, I mean it's it's um uh, in stark contrast, I may say, to um, the likes of uh, Intel and and other semiconductor companies who've been playing a very different game over the past few years, um, saying, yeah. you know, we need all this money to 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 rebuild manufacturing in in America. Sure, fine, fair enough. Well, at the same time, um, you know, there's been recent news of uh, of uh, American semiconductor CEOs like playing serious hardball with the um uh, um, with the administration yep. saying um you know hey you should like fire some nsc officials seriously um as well as as well as you know making the case that like the ai chip um uh restrictions which um uh, uh the 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 u.s government grounded on like preventing the chinese from getting military hardware um uh you know you know having like military capability advancements is um is something that's so important that like you know maybe you won't get those jobs in ohio before the next presidential election cycle so um you know these are profit maximizing organizations and they're and it's just like what we talked about with jade's thesis earlier like the incentives change but it is it yeah. is i think a really interesting moment and a potential for um you know sort of norms to be created which then sort of spill over into actual legal restrictions as well as um you know potentially get um internationalized i mean all the way to China, like who the hell knows? Um, but um, uh, it could be a sort of thing that that ends up mm -hmm. um, uh, st sparking a wider dialogue. Yeah, it's a we it's a really weird situation. I mean, yeah, you you don't you uh, there, there are very few industries, at least to my knowledge, that have you know before before the technology is is sort of really matured um, and it's and it's sort of really really start diffused in a in a real way and and you kind of know know what it's going to be used for, etc. Uh, there are few industries that will say, oh gosh, it looks like. Some of the stuff that we're doing might be dangerous, and uh, please, government, could you could you help uh, make sure that this this stuff is is treated, uh, yeah, is, is sort of uh, developed and 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 used in, in a responsible way? Um, is yeah, it's not a thing you see every day uh, or maybe every decade. Who knows? So, um, my other takeaway reading this paper was 
like I mean, I came away like a little hopeless um, just because of there, <laughs> oh, just no. because there were so many sort of like open questions. And I think and I think there and I think it's like a relatively narrow um, technological future in which this sort of things ends up being relevant. And you guys speak to this of like, you know, you need training runs to be incredibly expensive. You need um, them to require the types of chips um, uh, and like, you know, even going beyond what's sort of um, uh, uh, being restricted into China. You need open source to like not really be able to stand up to it. And you need these labs to be able to get uh, legit enough cybersecurity that the um, uh, the weights of these models can't get um, uh, um, restricted. Care to sort of like meditate on like in which futures this is, um, you know, even if you have this sort of like political will, like in which technological futures, this type of vision would not end up um, being all that useful. Yeah, I mean, so so the main yeah. So as you say, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we we think about here is is some kind of vision of what happens is there's a handful of really big, really expensive, really difficult to develop models are are being produced uh, every year. Um, those models then end up being sort of the the foundation upon which. AI use really, really, really uh, builds, um, and and then the, the the thought is, you know, we, we intervene on the the development and the deployment process of, of, of those. So yeah, w one reason one reason that this this sort of approach uh, might not work is is if it's the case that sort of um, AI systems end up looking a lot more, they look a lot more sort of specific and a lot more narrow. Um, so so say it's the case that you know the thing that instead of me, you know, if I want to learn about um, uh, you know, I want to learn about cyber instead of, uh, you know, going to GPT-5 or whatever. Maybe in the future, I go to a, a sort of a specific cyber model. Um, in that kind of world, you know, what, what we do then is, I guess we we sort of will need to complement this kind of, the kind of regulation that we talk about here, we'll need to complement it with various sort of more like sector-specific or use-specific regulation. And so, you know, you could imagine that we're in a world where instead instead what you do is you just say, oh, well, if you're using AI models for things in the in the cyber domain, Here's a bunch of requirements that you need to fulfill. If you use it for for the bio domain, here's 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 all these other requirements. That might be one future that will that will move into. My my guess is that these general models will will be what matters. But yeah, that's that's one one potential future. The other one is this future where sort of there is broadly, um, it's just difficult to control access to these models. Uh, so that could be yeah. So there's just um, it's difficult to sort of reduce uh, proliferation basically. So that could be. Um, you know, maybe open sourcing continues to sort of keep pace um, or sort of manages to keep pace with, with the frontier uh, and with the sort of proprietary models. Uh, or maybe the proprietary models, you know, they, they get leaked, they get stolen um, and, and all these kinds of things. Um, in that kind of world, um, then I think what we'll, what we'll need to do, and I think this is a thing that we need to do, do regardless, is sort of um, it's not going to it's not going to be sufficient to just focus on the sort of development and the deployment process. Um, I guess one way that I think about it is like for any AI capability that we we have today, uh, we should assume that it like will be more broadly distributed in the future without safeguards put in place. Um, just because you know algorithmic efficiency will keep going up, uh, sort of access to chips will keep going up, and 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 you know over time these models will just will just proliferate. Um, and so we'll we'll need to um, also sort of. Um, I guess one way to put it is like you, you kind of have this um, if you put in place this kind of regulation, you'll have this time window where you can know, OK, well, we will have these capabilities. They will be broadly distributed at some point. Currently, they're a little bit more under wraps than, than they will be in the future. We can put safeguards in place, et cetera. We can make it difficult to people to sort of use the, the dangerous capabilities in ways that we're worried about. Um, 
but you need to use that time. And, and the way that you need to use that time, I think will be, you know, you, you need to prepare for, for a world where, uh, where things are more broadly distributed. So you'll, you'll need to figure out, okay, well, what do we do in a world where, you know, a, anyone can um, sort of ha produce super high quality disinformation or um, can, you know, um, engage in, in, in certain kinds of cyber attacks, et cetera. So, so that just means we'll need to build up our defenses. Basically. My take is that this stuff is not going to be able to be locked down. Um, you know, if you just sort of look at the trajectory of, you know, cyber vulnerability research, like atomic, uh, atomic proliferation over the past 75 years, um, you know, when you're talking about software and information, it's just incredibly difficult to get something under such a lock and key, especially if you're going to like also be deploying it, you know, the, the you're going to make these, presumably you're, you're spending billions of dollars, like in order to like be able to use the thing, not just like put it under Mount Olympus or whatever, um, that it's going to be really tricky. Like, it seems to me, Marcus, that like the only hope is that like the, the AI defense is better than the AI offense and the, the world in which these models are like insanely powerful and i wonder if there is you know some way to help um nudge uh capability direction capability devel development in that direction so that um we can just have like our dr manhattan ai beat like the you know five foot tall version of dr manhattan ai so like you know what happened in that famous panel of 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 uh dr manhattan going over and like winning the the war in vietnam in 20 minutes is like the good ai which like wants to protect us and keep us safe not the um uh, you know north korean version uh, that wants to you know watch the world burn yeah so I, I think i mean i think you're right that like um there's i guess one way to put it is you want to my guess is that you will always have some kind of distance between um, sort of certain kinds of proprietary models and the ones that are sort of very, very widely distributed, right? And then you want to use that distance in a good way. One of the main ways that you're going to use it, I, I'm imagining, is, is these models that are sort of are more quote unquote locked down. Um, those models you um, you can use more for for defense. And so, you know, the the cyber realm, I guess, it seems like at a very high level of abstraction, it's sort of defensively dominant, but it seems like it'd be super useful if, you know, you have these very capable models that can detect cyber vulnerabilities. Um, my In my ideal world, you have something that looks, and I think we can we can end up in this world, um, you have something that looks like sort of responsible disclosure for cyber vulnerability detection tools. And that means, you know, those tools are first made available to the actors that will find and patch vulnerabilities rather than, uh, than sort of uh, exploit them and, and sort of undermine national security in all kinds of ways. Um, and so my guess is, yeah, you'll, you'll sort of, one thing you can do is you can take these models and you can sort of use them more for, more for defense. And, and ideally you have sort of more capable models being used for, for defense than for offense. Uh, and then I guess the other question is, yeah, can you just push the sort of development at large in, in the direction of, um, of sort of more and more defensive technologies? And I think, I think you can kind of do that. Like a lot of this proliferation, the way that it happens is, um, sort of, um, like the fact that um, you know, DeepMind developed AlphaFold. Uh, they're now, you know, there are now these these sort of more open sourced version of version of this, like like Alpha, like OpenFold, I think is is what it's called. Um, and the the fact the reason that we can have that is because there was this first this research by by DeepMind where they you know they they showed the way. They said you know it is possible to develop something that can do this. Maybe they even say roughly here's how we did it. 
Um, and then, and so one thing that like uh, you might you might imagine that that you'll need to do is you, you you'll need to change what kinds of systems uh, you develop. Like if you develop a system and you um, while you develop it, you, you have the thought, oh gosh, if this was very widely available, that would be worrying. That's a reason to to not develop in the first place uh, because it could be stolen. Uh, you know, it could inspire other researchers to to work to do the same. Uh, and, and and yeah, these kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I just think like banking on that seems like a pretty long shot. If that's all we're, it's not, if that's you know, I think we're not banking it's on like, it. Right? It's, it's like, just, it's like the... one among a lot yeah. lots of tools that we're going to need to use. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I, I guess just like I don't have. You know, people are like trying to clone human humans because they think it's fun, and like you know, you have like gain of function research. I mean, there's but we've anyone... done pretty well with. There's no humans being clones, to my knowledge. Um, I don't. Maybe. <laughs> maybe in some bunker somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but 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 it's some not. But it's like but like you can't you can't make billions of dollars cloning humans, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know, you can't you can't make like a clone army even if you wanted to clone things like we're not in like star Wars territory like that. But I mean, if we're, if we're talking in like the, you know, near future sci-fi realm, we're like making like the quote unquote bad AI, um, you know, could potentially give you a really, um, uh, um, you know, an edge over your, over your, um, you know, commercial competitors or, um, you know, an edge over other nation states. So, um, I don't know. It it would be I mean, it would be nice if we had that research ethos um sort of like perpetuate into the future, but I just I think there's just too much at stake um to um uh, um to to lay too much on that in particular. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I guess I guess one thing that is important to note is there, there could be certain kinds of AI systems that just like it's just like they they're really quite powerful, but it's not in anyone's interest to develop them. So, uh, if it's if it's the case that someone could develop, you know, um, a super intelligent system that like just not at all acted in accordance with their wishes. Uh, that's a terrible thing for for anyone to develop. Like it's not it's not in anyone's interest um, yeah. to to develop that. And so you know, obviously people do stupid things all the time, uh, and and they might have the wrong beliefs and, and these kind of things. But I, I do think that that gives some uh, that gives some kind of push push in this direction. And and in general, like a lot of the um, a lot of the ways in which sort of AI systems might. Uh, might cause harm, or at least a decent amount of them. Some of them go goes via this this route of okay, well, the system literally just does what it was supposed to do. Um, there's a lot of harm that goes that goes that direction, and then there's this other sort of bucket, which is well, these systems don't actually act as as the user or or the developer intends, uh, and they might sort of inadvertently cause a bunch of harm, or or maybe they even you know um, they have uh, they have sort of incentives that that we didn't intend, um, and 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 that whole bucket. Is one where sort of the competitive dynamics are look look really quite different, and it, it might just be the case that sort of one way to put it is um, instead of this is a bit of a wonky way of putting it, but instead of us being in a in a sort of a um, a, a tragedy of the commons or something like this or, or a prisoner's dilemma, we're in a stag hunt. Uh, so we're in a situation where you know um, both of us defecting in this game is is so bad um, that it's it's worth us taking a, taking the shot um, to to sort of behave cooperatively because because the other actor might might do so as well. I just think it's it's not going to be obvious that you'll be defecting yeah. in the first place because like, mm -hmm. you That's know, by by, um, uh, you know, what was your example? It's like the AI that doesn't listen to me. It's like, well, you mm -hmm. you probably want the AI to be independent enough to like be able to like book you an entire vacation. So I don't have to like look up the like 12 different ferries and, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to get to Staten Island or whatever. God bless anyone who's 
vacationing to Staten Island. Um, uh, it's um, uh, it's just gonna be really hard. Uh, but I, I, think I agree. It seems it seems very difficult. Yeah, it's a hard problem. I think this is you know one of the one of the grand challenges of our you know of our generation over the next couple of decades is figuring out what to you know what to do as these systems get more and more capable. So, um, Marcus, just like as someone who reads a lot of policy papers, um, this like like starting to spend the past few years reading more computer science and AI ones, it's like I've never seen articles that have 25 authors and then like 20 more reviewers like what why is this the norm like can you give me a sense of like how this is how this is developed like what 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 are the sort of incentives leading to um uh to to so many um uh names on the uh on the byline here <laughs> um yeah i mean that's a that's a good question i don't i don't i think part of it is or at least how i how i see it um uh like with this paper for example like the there's just a bunch of people who have been thinking about these these questions for for years, um, and and we were in a moment where you know um, the world is starting to think much more about these kinds of questions. It seems like sort of um, the question of well, what do we do about these frontier most capable systems is just becoming more and more burning. And so it, so it seemed um, sort of to my mind, I was I was very interested in sort of could we put something together that has sort of a, you know both we sort of put the best brains in the in the same Zoom room. Um, to to sort of um, help figure figure this out and step out and make sure that we produce something high quality, but also you know be able to put something together that looks like um, at least it looks like it has sort of more support uh, and and it's sort of it's clear that it's sort of there's a lot of actors that are interested in this kind of stuff um, or or think that ideas in this general direction are are useful. Um, I think another thing that's happened here is um, at least sort of um, myself um, and and a lot of a lot of my colleagues. I think we're just kind of very um, we really don't like being wrong uh, and we really want to get things right. Um, and so I think a thing that ends up happening as a result of that is, you know, instead of being like a lot of academics, they'll, they'll just, you know, they'll sit in their chamber. They won't talk to people about, about their paper because maybe someone will steal it or whatever or steal the, the ideas. Uh, whereas our approach is a little bit more like, oh, no, we'll do like three or four rounds of feedback with like lots of people coming in. We'll do we'll try to do workshops where, where people can come in and they can sort of stress test our ideas to make sure that like, we, you know, we, we find the flaws in our in our paper before before it's out there. Um, and um, I don't know if that's the best way to go about things. But I, I yeah, I, I find it difficult to do anything else because I really I really don't like um, finding out that I said something that I, I later disagree with. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to have reviewers and it's another to have co-authors, right? Maybe that's right. Maybe just yeah. co-authorship means something different in this world. Um, I right. Yeah, another, I guess in, yeah. in computer science in, in general, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty common that like you just have these, you have these huge papers, like even on the technical side, um, it's pretty common that you just have these, these papers with, with a tremendous number of authors. I don't know what the records are, but it'd be in the hundreds. Um, and, and like, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, may. Yeah. And then I think to some extent that's just kind of bled over into the space of people working on AI policy as well. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think like another, you know, rationale for having this is like, it's kind of crazy some of the stuff you guys are pushing out there, like you know, like these licensing requirements for like future AIs that are going to create COVID viruses, and and you know there is some there is some utility I think, um, you know, as you guys said, in like when you're seeding a new idea in the um, in the uh, you know broader discourse or whatever um, to have more than like 
you know, no offense, Marcus, but like if it was just yeah, you exactly. being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, guys, like <laughs> we should watch out for this stuff. I mean, I think it's yeah. helpful to have 25 voices and another 25 reviewers of, you know, various uh prestigious ilk um uh as as well as the um uh you know as well as the 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 corporate representatives from the um uh, um from these labs to say hey look like we actually think this is not crazy and serious and it's a it's sort of like a like the the more um uh highbrow version of that of that letter that um all the ceos right. signed a yeah. few months ago saying like we're really scared like everyone should freak out about ai um yeah. uh this is like we're really scared like you guys should think about um you know putting this onto your next research agenda, like promising yeah, graduate yeah. student um, or like concerned um, uh, congressional staffer. So um, uh, you've sold me, Marcus. I'm in favor. Uh, the next time I can get 25 China analysts to agree on anything, um, I will um, uh, uh, give, give it my best shot to um, uh, have the future. I mean, it's, of, you know, know, getting 25 people to agree to anything is it's hard. I, I tell you that. But, you know, I think yeah, I think it's worth a shot. Uh, and it and it makes the you know it makes the product uh, better. Um, closing uh, closing thoughts. You got a song for me, Marcus? Oh, a song? No, <laughs> I don't. You usually have these these really nice. Uh, yeah, I, I really I usually like your your song choices. Uh, let's okay. go for those. I could send you one afterwards. Um, I could go to um, my recent favorite playlist, which is. Um, Marcus's light Scott songs on Spotify. Um, I could find you something up there. All right. If you can, if you can relate it to frontier AI models, I will. I'm, I'm I'll do my right. best. Yeah. I do like a lot of songs that have the word AI in them. Just, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, Marcus and Anton, thanks so much for your Thanks so much.